0: Hi, my name is Yuba Rahmani, the project director for GGC, and I'm listening to Scene World Podcast.
1: Hello, welcome to the Scene World Podcast. <laughs> Old faces again. Yes. <laughs> Martin in the house. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Well, unfortunately, AJ is still sick, so my compion for the news part will be Martin again. And um, But, well, let's also talk about our guest that will come after the news section, and that will be Lego Welt, um, a Dutch DJ and known figure in the retro scene when it comes to music and DJing. And um, Remute, a.k.a. Dennis Karimani, was in a club in Hamburg where he was actually um, having a gig. And he thought like, hey, why not, before you have the gig, um, have an interview with me for Scene World? So that means it's the first podcast episode without AJ and me and with me in particular. So Dennis takes over after the news. And the news are um, that in the last news section, we mentioned that um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge is coming physical by Limited Run Games, and it was told to be exclusive. And then last Saturday, I received another email from um, Signature, Signature Edition, a.k.a. Merch Games from UK, and they also offer physical versions of the same game Holy. so it's probably a similar situation like double track neo a few years back where first uh, limited run games has the exclusive and then a week or two later's um, signature edition may also announce that they also release a physical thing so if you are living in europe safe on shipping because it's easier to get Uh, Well, it's cheaper to get your game shipped from UK than from USA. But of course, since UK is no longer part of the EU, you also have to pay for income tax. But make the diff, make well, get yourself informed what's cheaper for you, ordering it from UK or from USA. Anyway, we will put both links in the podcast subscriptions link list so you can decide which editions you want to use from which provider because we think you should have the choice. Well, Mm -hmm. and also, uh, Martin, you mentioned last time that there was another collection from Turtles. Actually, I found it on Amazon the other day, where they have the old Turtles in a compilation. I didn't know that before, but that's Ah. something I will will not pre-order, but I will order myself, too. I only was aware of the new game, but not that they make made a, compo- a compilation on the mm-hmm. Switch of the old games. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, and another news is that um, Jo Hesse, Joachim Hesse, the right hand of Kronk, one of the biggest German YouTubers for gaming, and also best friend of the Retro Hunter, A.K.A. Sven Fessing, had. A guest recently in his live stream on Twitch um, and that was Georg Müller from Germany presenting his um, well point-and-click adventure based on a novel he wrote called casebook 1899 the Leipzig murders oh so it's um, a very nice theme if you like old automobiles and stuff and uh, see if you are a good detective and can find out who's the murderer there are several chapters um, f- f- um in the game and you can actually well you can actually play the first case the first murder case for free on steam if you download the demo i think mm. it's on steam and H I O as well so if you don't like DRM from Steam you can go on H I O. so um, I played it I've had the demo and it was very nice I think it's very enjoyable and despite I'm not really a fan of well the 1890s um, it's still a very enjoyable adventure and also it's interesting to see If you can make the conclusions of a murder case, because, I mean, normally we are not Sherlock Holmes in our normal lives. (laughs) So, yeah, well, so that would be the two news items that I have. Um, I don't know if you have anything to share. No, this time, nothing. Not at all. Okay, well, then let's jump to the attic of a, a club not to be named in Hamburg where Vermont, um interviewed Legowelt, which is also the reason why this interview is recorded in vertical because um, they were told to give as little of the room and the environment as possible, so it's not because Dennis doesn't know how to hold his smartphone, right? It's because he had to. It that way. Anyway, so enjoy and let's jump to that. Bye bye.
2: <laughs> hey, this is Remute for Scene world podcast. I'm very happy to have Danny Wolfers here, uh, Aka Lego Welt. He's um, one of the most prolific uh, electronic music producers out there, and um, I think you're uh, around for 20
0: years, for more than 20 years. I guess, yeah, yeah, certainly. Like I started making music, dabbling about with my Commodore Amiga, in I guess nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety two. Really, okay. And then I got my first synthesizer in nineteen ninety four, probably. I don't know the exact years anymore, but yeah, it all started with the Commodore Amiga. So. Okay that cool. might be interesting for the scene world. Absolutely.
2: Um, so so you think you started as a kind of um you had a very nerdy approach. You started not as a musician but as a as a fan of computers or? Yeah, d-
0: d- definitely. I was a a hardcore uh, uh cyberpunk. Yeah. I brought the cyberpunk in the early 90s with my Ami- Amiga Commodore Amiga uh 500. I got that uh, around um when uh, nineteen ninety, I got a Amiga five hundred when they were a little bit cheaper, and then uh, when the twelve hundred came out in nineteen ninety two, I got a second hand in nineteen ninety three, and that was really nice because it had a hard disk. And yeah, I was I was really into kind of also like uh, uh, hacking and stuff, but on a very amateur uh, uh, level. Yeah. I, I used to uh, program like. Uh, kind of like a phone freak uh, frequency programs in um, BASIC, Amiga BASIC and Amos later, Ah, but in Amos (laughs) I started more programming uh, games and um, yeah I had a modem and you could go to on BBSs and then it was pretty easy to hack. Uh, you know, like websites of companies, or it wasn't really hacking, you just went in because you could see, you could download the passwords of all so these companies. So in a kind of,
2: of neo from the metrics of. No, early. More, more like.
0: Amiga, Neo. More, more like, a, yeah, a <laughs> 90s. Uh, I see, I see. Again.
2: So um, then, just you, as you, you said, you started as a more kind of um, hacker, but when? Well, the
0: hacker is a is a big word. So it's I, a big word. I, I would call it proto cyberpunk. Just computer. Proto cyberpunk. A computer Sounds nerd. Dirty. I was completely, and I, I, I did a the computer. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, I explored it on all different levels. I, I wasn't a very good programmer. I made some uh, games but they're all amateuristic and mostly written in AMOS. Okay, I You see. know this language, yeah, yeah, yeah. This language uh, which I is very them. powerful and of course uh, I had uh, deluxe paint and uh, the, 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 my main interest was uh, in, in the more artistic side. So um, I'm I used to play computer games, but I wasn't really interested in playing the games. I was more interested in um, the worlds they uh, showed or conceived and how it was made. And For me, playing computer games was kind of boring, except a few uh, exceptions, but mostly I would just check out the music or what was going on and then try to copy it or something. And like I said, it was mostly the artistic side, especially on the Commodore Amiga, which is uh, uh, was same mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> a very powerful uh, artistic computer.
2: I see, of course, yeah, it was very capable of, of, of graphics and stuff, where PCs at the time were not so capable. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. They, they were like... It like, was pretty avant-garde in this direction. And, yeah. Um, I see. So um, you've been also involved
0: in the early demo scene then? Or? No, not really, no. Yeah. No, I wasn't... I, I didn't know anybody, you know. So. But you were aware that
2: it's the kind of demo scene. Yeah,
0: yeah of course, because yeah. I had the demos and yes, stuff. And yes, I thought oh, these people are like, uh, you know, they're they're from Germany, you know, from from Hamburg. I think there were a, there lot, was of, a lot of a lot from Hamburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, the, Of course, also in the, the cracking and hacking uh, world, it's a very indeed. famous city. I kn- knew that already back then, because on the you know on the demos you would uh, they would. Uh, yeah. Communicate about yeah. this yeah. event happening here. The, the greetings. Yeah, the greetings. greetings. What was the big event yeah. that happened here for the? Uh, in Hamburg,
2: there was um, always, I think, the the meeting of the chaos computer. The oh, chaos computer uh, club. CCC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you could
0: download these uh, zines. Yeah yeah yeah, there, yeah, 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 and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, chaos club. So
2: computer you've been a lot of, in, uh, of the, into the stuff. So when did you make the transition to being a musician?
0: Well, oh, yeah, because yeah, like I said, I was very involved in the more artistic side. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, one day I had a copy of uh, Octamit. Uh, mm, first see. I had a copy of Pro Tracker, I think. And okay. yeah, and then I dabbled about that. And I uh, thought, oh, that, that's really cool. You can just make your own uh, tracks with that. I see. Um, you know, that sound kind of professional. And, uh, and back then people were really using the Amiga to record music that, was released on a record and stuff. A lot of uh, that stuff happened in England. Yeah. Um, and then I got Octamet and then I started really uh, delving deep deep into it and I started buying synthesizers because Octamet could also sequence uh, uh, um, MIDI. Ah okay okay it was also MIDI. Yeah and I sync uh, thing and of course it was in the uh, first years kind of uh, dif- difficult because uh, Music gear, electronic music gear, was very expensive back then. I see. Can, I see. Uh, you know, you didn't have like Behringer or Cork, or king <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, hundred euro TB trio trees. But of course, in the second hand market, uh, old analog synths cost like a hundred guilders.
2: Perfect times. Yeah,
0: the, these things now cost like I don't know. You know, you you could get like really like a TB trio tree for. Twenty-five guilders, yeah, or, or nice. maybe hundred guilders. Or, <laughs> nice. uh, I, I bought a Roland Juno G- one hundred six for one hundred fifty guilders, which is uh, yeah. seventy-five euros. Okay, that's
2: a perfect, perfectly fine price. So, <laughs> so I, I think today you pay for you know one. I just saw it at eBay yesterday yeah. oh. here in Germany. It was like thousand two hundred euros.
0: I don't know. Are are we staying in the the camera or moving out a little bit or not? Uh, I think... People are not going to watch it, right? So we cut this. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, All
2: right. So, so, um, and then you you started hunting down um, synthesizers at at, at the second-hand market mostly, you said. What was it? Was it a kind of, um, I think... We are also, we are, we're still talking of the mid-90s here, yeah? There wasn't...
0: Yeah, mid, mid-90s. Mid-90s, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: 94. 94, yeah. So, yeah. there wasn't a kind... There wasn't really eBay or something like that. There was more like... Um, how did you manage to hunt down the... Well, world?
0: every Thursday, uh, uh, a newspaper came out that just had advertisements in them. Yes. Or second-hand advertisements. Uh, yeah, and there was a little uh, section... Uh, like keyboards and synthesizers that's mainly i would buy that yes. or my dad would buy it and then, i uh, see i see yeah then you would call the phone number you know and it yeah. would say like a, i don't know what like roland alpha juno for, for you know 200 guilders those were the and times then, man and then you would, would call yeah. and say oh yeah oh, can I come uh, collect it or can you bring it to my, <laughs> my house I say, oh sure and these people thought oh wow I got 200 guilders from my uh, Roland Alpha Juno um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was mostly analog synthesizers yeah, or yes, um, yes. early DX uh, uh, FM synths like DX21 and drum machines yes, of yes, course yes. like an 808 was Really affordable back then. I think I paid like uh, also like uh, 150 euros for my 808. uh, um, uh, What was I gonna say? Something interesting.
2: It was really affordable, everything.
0: Yeah, but uh, for example, samplers were uh, too expensive. I could not um, afford the sampler back then. They discussed like more than a thousand uh, euros or five hundred euros. That's really interesting. And, you know, you, you, interesting. you're just uh, you know uh, as a kid, you don't have that.
2: Yeah, yeah, money. that's really interesting you can save
0: a few years, but you don't. indeed, have the indeed.
2: indeed. Yeah, I think it's it's exactly the other way around now. Everybody yeah. wants to get rid of hardware samples. Yeah, They're yeah. damn cheap also here in Germany. Like. I just saw an Akai S two two thousand four hundred euros
0: and yeah, stuff like that. that. That's and worked uh, like the old metal price, but yeah. I, I think there's a, there's <laughs> a, a threshold. Yeah, if they're twelve bit samplers, they're, yeah, uh, they're I, they're very really popular. I sometimes. saw an and Sonic Mirage for seven hundred fifty yeah, euros today. Yeah, and yeah. all these old S900s, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. extremely uh, okay. expensive nowadays.
2: Yeah, of course, they have this sound, the yeah. special 12-bit bit reduced sound, yeah. but I think the... The, the S2000 is, is really boring. It's just <laughs> a 16-bit sampler, I yeah. think it's just CD and quality. it's like cumbersome yeah. to use, right? Yeah, it's not fun to use. <laughs>
0: yeah. no, no, no. Or, maybe in a few years people will discover it again.
2: I think yeah. everything gets rethrew after 20 years.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the of the but case.
2: back then, I see um, people wanted to get rid of analog synthesizers because they wanted this sampled sound. They wanted more digital at the mid '90s. Yeah, I think analog synthesizers were pretty unpopular. then. Uh Yeah,
0: so, yeah. You agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Yeah. And then, of course, in the late '90s, they pick the companies picked up oh analog synthesizers. People really liked it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, make fake ones. Like the Nord lead or the MC 303, three. yeah, the groove box era, yeah, yeah. or the GP8000. Um, but then, yeah, my, my first sampler was actually the Roland MKS 100. I see, okay, which yeah. is uh, I don't know for those who don't know, it's a very it has a memory of like 120k, I think. And you can put four samples in it. I see. Yeah. Uh, and with a total length of eight seconds on I a see. lower bandwidth. And um, it uses a quick disk format. really yeah, a strange custom format, yeah. uh, Thing, but of course it came with it. And I actually traded a Cork Monopoly for that sampler.
2: Oh, okay. The, this it seemed reasonable for you at the time. At the but time,
0: that was completely. Would you do it again? I think. I don't think so. No, because the MKS hundred is worth yeah. like twenty-five euros. Yeah. Okay. So. I see. I see. But I see. the sound is sublime. I think from okay. an
2: MKS hundred. Okay. So you could load four samples in it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. and then yeah, you would make uh, tracks with that because that I was really because of course I had the Commodore Amiga to sample. Yeah. And. Yeah. Uh, that is a very powerful sampler, of course. But uh, back then, th- there was this stigma that you, you didn't understand that it had this powerful sound. I see. Uh, I see. There was also this thing about that it was not professional. I see. Uh, th- I see. Th- th- you had this idea. Of course, nowadays I think that's total bullshit. You can just use the Amiga to uh, create uh, everything. You absolutely. Know, even absolutely. Even though it's uh, eight eight-bit sam- samples or I have the 12-bit uh, Aura cartridge. Ah, I see. Of. Okay. Um, uh, so then, yeah, you wanted more hi fi sampling sound. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, the Dream was an S thousand. Ah. Oh, okay. But yeah, that was like a very expensive b- back was for in the the days, millionaires, yeah. I thought yeah. back then.
2: For big st- for big studios. Yeah, and stuff, big like studios, and pop
0: productions, yeah. and because uh, I knew like they would use that for like real professional productions. Yeah. So yeah. Like,
2: okay. All right, all right. So you, by the time of the, of the, I think, we're now at the end of 90s, think back, so yeah. w- when was the time when you, when you've been thinking that you had a complete studio to, to start and to, to be, to feel like a, a kind of professional? When
0: was the first time for well, you? Well, I, I never thought, I, I never considered myself a professional. <laughs> okay. Uh, already in the mid-90s, I had amassed, I had, yes. amassed, uh, had so, so many cheap, you know, uh, analog since yeah. and I had a mixer and I had a tape recorder and uh, you know I had uh, speakers and tape recorders uh, I had found on the street okay cool. when, <laughs> because my dad uh, and I would always say uh, Thursday um, was the what we call in uh, Holland Hoel then the people would uh, put the big stuff that you couldn't put in the trash I see, okay like furniture and um, uh, okay. o- also like uh, organs or yeah but especially hi-fi equipment cool stuff from the 80s yeah. that worked perfectly yeah. like yeah. nice speakers, uh, cassette uh, decks and uh, yeah. uh, even found a, found a video disc player because wow. uh, if you went to the areas, because uh, uh, the city where I uh, live, Den Haag, also then uh, has a lot of uh, expats and embassies I and see. international okay. organizations. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, these people yeah, tend to be, uh, well, uh, they have quite a, a lot of money and they have to move a lot. Ah, so they so just when, yeah away. They, yeah, they, 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 away a perfectly. I didn't even know what it was. I was like video,
2: disc, laser player. Wow, what is good cool stuff.
0: And it was a completely like a, a obsolete, like or how how to call it, a, a failed format.
2: Ah, okay. There were there were many failed formats yeah. in it, the it was stereo was before
0: DVD, and yeah. of course, I would find CD yeah. players and um, uh, all kinds of things and computers too. Wow. I actually found, uh, f- we found a completely, uh, my dad found this completely working TRS-80 uh, model 4 wow. with the screen and the, f- uh, the floppy disk didn't work anymore but you could program it and amazing I amazing. still have it I didn't really take care of it that good yeah, yeah. but I think it's a very, it uh, uh, works uh, yeah? Uh, yeah? yeah yeah I, wow. I, I haven't turned it on for years but uh, we turned it on actually for a relics of the past uh, uh, TV series. It was a how do you call it a um, a prop in there. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. But yeah, and uh, the funny thing is, uh, uh, my dad found the manual for it like a few months before. Yeah, yeah. Because they had thrown away the manual, and back then I didn't have a computer. But then I I written uh, the manual and it was well, wow this is cool there's a computer wow this is not because me- back then you know there was no internet this is how you got entertained by like. <laughs> Right, yeah reading yeah. manuals of Deep stuff free yeah. internet times uh, yeah uh, yeah okay, okay. Or, you nice. know you watch tv or listen to nice, music nice, or play nice. it with your friends or then you know if you found a manual for a trs80 computer which was very uh nicely written yeah i don't know if you know it but like so from the late 70s but it has like a little comic in it with like a computer character <laughs> uh, and I was in English so it was also very exotic for me yeah I couldn't really read it but then I kind of uh, and of course there were uh, computer listings in it yeah so then I thought oh that's so that's, that's how you program computers and and there were games well wow. I was wow
2: okay. So yeah. you had a kind of really kind of hunter and collector approach when regarding your first music equip- equipment. You found a lot of stuff in uh, weird places, like you said. And um, but then, when when did you started to produce the first full tracks that you also released? Tell us about it.
0: Uh, well, actually, uh, the tracks that I made around 1994 and 1995 have been released. Uh, uh, later later like in uh, on dark days and um, stuff like that I think it was released like 10 years ago Ah, on vinyl officially and on CD a little bit uh, before but that sold quite well and um, but my first LP came out in 1999 yeah I see okay okay Um, Bunker records and then yeah, just made a lot of LPs, EPs, yeah, albums. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, so what was the way to get in touch with music labels back then? Today we know we can send a lot of spam emails or SoundCloud links or stuff like that. But what what was it like before uh, social media, before um, widespread internet connection? How did you get in touch with Bunker Records?
0: Uh, yeah, and that's uh, an, um, while well, Bunker Records was living uh, in. in are from the hague also but also more interestingly uh i came in touch with a um, uh, utrex that's a label from utrecht i never released on yeah. and a guy uh, called Sander friedemann uh, goes by the name of random access he made records on jacks up uh, beats and um, a few other labels and he was also on the bbs's and, I see, uh, okay. What was it called? FidoNet or something like this, mi- like this meal system and there were some BBSs that were kind of like alluding that they were about electronic music yeah, yeah. and people would write, write reviews about the Aphex Twin album or something like that okay. and then uh, you could write little messages and he was on there and he, uh, that's actually the person I sent my first demo tapes to and uh, he he never did anything with it which is fine Uh, but (laughs) he he would um, answer questions I had like how do you set this up you know Uh, because sometimes how do do you use a cork sq uh, 10 analog sequencer you know you you know you find this cork sequencer I think for for like 50 euros okay and then you have it but yeah, you have no clue yeah. how to uh, connect it, of course. But then you just try and he would like yeah, explain it and stuff. Uh, interesting, interesting. So already, and that was around 1994, I think, before the internet, uh, this was on modem, BBS networks. Yeah, there was this communication uh, teaching going on a little bit. I see, I see uh but then how to how I came in contact with bunker records was, yeah, we just went to the party, uh, where they would play like uh the the boss of bunker records, uh, Gita Faris, okay, uh, we would just give him a cassette tape, yeah, and yeah. then yeah, he would listen to it, and then he would call uh, call nice. Us, yeah. nice. Uh, so a lot of personal connection right
2: then, and uh yeah, contact. you
0: could also send like uh uh Demo tapes just to labels like a post. Uh, yeah. I think I sent a, a demo to War <laughs> Records when yeah, I, uh,
2: or I don't know if I did. Did you them. send a lot uh, of demo tapes to various labels? No, or? I
0: didn't really do it. I was planning it, but then uh, yeah. I, I, in the late nineties, I, mm. um, I didn't. When you when I started doing this, I thought ah, I want to make a record. Yeah, yeah. And then in the late '90s, I thought, ah, you know, I just like to dabble about. It. I don't need to make a record. And then mm-hmm. the, the record deals came. Step
2: by step, you yeah. you released on a lot of cool labels from the years on. I think 1999 was your first record. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then step by step, I think um, then came a lot of. Other single releases, also, you had in various dance music labels like Cocoon for example. Yeah, yeah, that was um, a big uh, hit, uh, big of hit, course. Yeah. But, uh, Disco Root. Yeah, Disco yeah. Root was. I a, think it was licensed uh, from from
0: another label? Yeah, from an American label called uh, Ghostly Records. Ah, I which see, is also okay. A oh. famous label. Yeah. Not so much in Europe, but in America, it's yeah, a very yeah. big label. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think maybe it's big here too. I yeah of course Ghostly is pretty yeah. big they, they released
2: this route first and then, uh, yeah. and then somehow Google license it. Yeah. it because I think Sven SpinFit played it a lot at this at, artist at, back yeah, in the a, days at
0: the Love Parade yeah.
2: everywhere everywhere and um of yeah. course it was a massive hit to yeah. vo- worldwide and um I think this got you also a lot of live gigs did you play before also live gigs
0: yeah or yeah, or? yeah but uh, that's funny uh, I told this story before yeah. but uh, of course we, we kind of came from this uh, yeah squatting freak techno scene yeah, with like yeah. uh, weird uh, places yeah. and uh, really punk approach of doing yeah. stuff you know like and then uh, when the cocoon thing happened I got like bookings in these like uh, huge uh, professional you know like it did blow uh, up like raves <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I, I didn't really understand or you know I, I, I completely like uh, missed the boat there yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to uh, grab on on that because uh, I would bring like uh, other artists from Bunker that would say, "Yeah, uh, can you come play a book uh, at this party in a huge uh, techno hall?" Uh, and said, oh "Sure, can I bring uh, my friends from Bunker Records? Can they play too?" Yeah, sure, whatever you want. <laughs> okay, and uh, yeah, we would stand there in in this big hall, and they, they would play like like yeah, but techno, and then I see yeah uh, we, you know, I the would, early techno song was pretty I, hard. I, I would pretty... bring my Commodore Amiga and yeah. play o- uh, Octamente uh, uh, Mods. Amazing. And then the other um, uh, guys from Bunker Records, like Ork Electronique who would also play live, or uh, TLR, he would be DJ, and then uh, who was uh, yeah uh, Smatch Labor he would play yeah. like uh, like weird. Um, uh, experimental uh, uh, punk music or yeah. like uh, Grandmaster Flash, The Message or uh, <laughs> and well people of course did not like that and we would empty like the entire rooms and uh, that so we were kind of or I was kind of like booked for that maybe five times before that never happened again to play <laughs> okay, the, the, the big money um, uh, uh, gigs yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, in yeah. mega raves or whatever you know or you know like the a um, the bit more uh, what is it like a Premier League I see I see artist. the more
2: the more mainstream events and more yeah. like um, yeah of
0: course I yeah. wouldn't call it too mainstream but yeah. Was, and, yeah we were just these like weirdos and of course then yeah kind of returned into the obscurity of the the Underground or whatever you want to call I see. it, okay, okay. Um, and then I slowly crawled uh, out of that again. I, I see, guess. I see. But in a different way, I, I still don't really play for like swim swen uh, swenved kind of parties, but uh, okay. also more like you know, like uh, the yeah, the, the interesting the techno- cool parties. <laughs> well, we think is cool. Or I think uh, you know yeah. that's that's yeah, that's the scene. lot other I people see. think, "Who well, are these I fucking see. dorks?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so
2: year by year, you got um, you um, after this root. You you kind of gathered more artistic freedom to do again your stuff that you really like. Did you have some pressure from
0: cocoon? Like, can you produce disco root? Part two or something like that. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. no, never pressured me. Yeah, no, yeah. of course, I did. I did some other tracks on their label, but yeah. uh, I, I guess they they kind of knew I wasn't gonna be yeah. like uh, uh, um, uh, the in in their label thing. Mm, was, mm, mm. Know, I was I'm too weird for that, or, yeah. or I, I, my interests are a little bit uh, different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. or but I, I, I did a trick for them, like I think a few years ago again, yeah, or yeah. did I do a trick I don't know for a compilation maybe for the cocoon compilation yeah or, yeah. I, or there were remixes from uh okay from, okay. I, I don't okay. Know. okay, I don't know even that stuff here what's coming out. And <laughs> Oh, 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 I, it <laughs> I
2: see. I see. So yeah, but yeah, then then you also somehow also made your own label at at one point, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I used to have a label called Strange Life Records, yeah, uh, yeah. and that ran from two thousand four till uh, uh, two thousand ten, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was just mainly CDRs, a few uh, vinyls too. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I started because I recorded some ambient music uh, and okay, I sent it uh, I, I pressed it on the CDR and send it to like friends or I see. on the internet like
2: so you went more the ambient route and then not so much clubbing stuff with your own name yeah i've
0: already ma- made uh, ambient music in the 90s i see i see uh, okay. a, a lot because i was really fascinated by by this music when uh, when uh by pete Namluk. Yeah, and he yeah he was on mtv in 1992 indeed, or 1993 indeed, yeah. maybe and i was so fascinated because for me that was even like you don't have you even have to have a beat you can just make Completely free music. Yeah, 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 and I thought yeah. that was really cool. And then I would go to the local library and get like a, yeah, Pete Nemluck, uh, they had the fax uh, CDs yeah, at, the, at the Big D Hague Library, yeah. and Brian Eno on land and uh, all this weird uh, stuff. Yeah, there. Yeah.
2: So you followed uh, the ambient route quite a lot. Uh, I think your upcoming project. It's called uh, Ambient Trip Commander,
0: yeah? Uh, yeah, that, that, that's an animation movie I made. An animation yeah. movie, interesting, yeah. tell me about it. Um, well, because also, it kind of also stems back from the Commodore Amiga. I see. Uh, deluxe paint, I used to make animations on that. Yeah. And uh, through that I even studied uh, animation on this uh, uh, HKU in Utrecht, which... Ah, okay. I, I, Giant uh, classrooms full of Amigas, Amiga 2000, 3000, yeah. 4000, and they were using the Lux Paint and other more advanced animation software. There, sure,
2: true, true multimedia computer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it, this was in the midnight. I started at the school, I think, in uh, 1996. Yeah, And yeah. the year after, they got Max, of course. Okay, okay. I yeah, see. Yeah. I see. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. The, 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 I had an interest in animation back then and and film and stuff and at, at, yeah that's i think it's through the looks paint that I went to that school to uh okay. do it because there was something i could do I, I i you know what the hell was i gonna study you know i don't know mm, like, mm, mm. I, I i hate school and um, ah, okay, I, okay. Every, everything
2: and uh, but you but you studied so. this um kind of full-time or how did you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah.
0: Uh, like a, a, a four years, like oh, yes. okay. A, a, okay. A, yeah. a bachelor, okay. a, a yes. B.A. Yeah. Bachelor in okay. Arts, yeah. mm-hmm. in uh, audiovisual, I don't know even. <laughs>
2: yeah, but very interesting that you, yeah. that you got uh, into this and um, then you followed this and this animated movie is a kind
0: of continuation from your study. Yeah, because I, I, I never did anything mm-hmm. with it because I was so into music and um, uh, through the uh, Corona crisis, how do you call it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, sure. This um, two years
2: where everybody was at home.
0: uh, Yeah, and then in uh, 2020, around August, they were opening up theaters again Mm
1: -hmm. uh, to -hmm. do like,
0: but then you you had to sit down and watch and so all these theaters were uh, booking like ambient gigs and i thought well this is a little bit boring to look at me while well, i you know this is like a yawn you know so i made some um background visuals yeah, yeah. very simple uh, background vi- visuals uh of um a cat floating in a, a drawn it, it's like classic animation drawn, hand drawn frame for frame and then put in the computer and uh Interesting. Uh, and and, and okay. invented, yeah. uh, scanned in a scanner, and then the backgrounds are uh, static, of course. Okay, uh, lot of work. Yeah, oh, okay. but um, it, it started just w- without any story, just some psychedelic images. And I thought I had an image of a, an old German train, V two hundred diesel train. From okay, the Deutsche okay. Bahn. You know this, the red with the I know really classic train. Good uh, kind of old Deutsche Bahn. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that train is uh, riding through the snow to the yeah. uh, like deep uh, central European mountains and forests. Yeah, know, this, cool. uh, um, yeah. And uh, I made that for the, for the, to play in the background. And of course, those gigs were canceled too because oh, stuff got uh, worse. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. And I thought, well, that's yeah. okay, you know. I don't give a fuck. But then I just start uh, organically working more on this animation. Uh, making more scenes, and uh, slowly a story developed.
2: Yeah. yeah. And it's
0: about this uh, girl or a, a woman um, who lives in a kind of a middle-sized. Uh, German, I guess it's German. Okay, it it's, it's happening in Germany. Yeah, I guess <laughs> it's in, in Europe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, it's in Germany. Um, yeah. that works at a synthesizer store where she has a shitty job, uh-huh. like uh, repairing synths and talking to uh, the, the customers. I see and that. she's uh, into, into computers. And then one day she gets a mysterious email with a train ticket to come to a, a little secluded village in the Alps. And that's when she takes the train, yeah. and there, um, yeah, all sort of st- stuff happens, and she meets this like kind of like hacking group, secret hacking group uh, that uh, they're creating a weird form of artificial intelligence. Okay, it's uh, gonna t- take over the world, and it's uh, yeah, that th- that's kind of the the story or sy- synopsis, and then it. I see, yeah. I see. So
2: you, you worked on everything, every element from the movie on your own, from the animation, from yeah, the music, yeah. from... Yeah,
0: because it, it's doable these days with the yeah. technology, yeah. with the modern computers, you know. Uh, it's, okay. it's, it's pretty easy to do. Um, yeah, you just draw the frame, of course it's not like 12 frames a second, you know, mm, it's, mm, it's a bit like... Mm.
2: Uh, a bit yeah. choppy or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still fluid, it, it's, so.
0: it's very choppy, some, some parts are really fluid.
2: But indeed, indeed it's uh, it's old school animation yeah. stuff because you have to write every frame on your own. It's not like a flash animation from the from some mobile games where the animation. Yeah, is Yeah, but more it, like
0: it's the same. Yeah? But you know. It, it, you draw it fast and you use watercolors and then you scan it and in the computer you know you put it behind each other yeah and then you it's kind of you have a sprite from a game okay 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 uh you know and you have these loose sprites that move that are drawn and then you put them on the the background background. Uh, it also reminds me uh of like uh how do you call these uh point and click adventures yeah yeah it's the same because i used to program try to program a a few of those also back in the day of course, the, the, if you do that you're on your own as a kid, that's not going to work. Of Very interesting. How, how long did you work on, on a feature film? Um, and mid-2020 and I did the last few scenes last month, so uh, yeah. that's like uh, what is it, Like 20 months maybe? Okay. A- okay. 18 months, interesting, I guess. No? Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I didn't work all the time on it. There yeah. were months I didn't work yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, so, so when does it get released?
0: Well, the premiere was last week, yeah, uh, yes. with a live soundtrack yeah. in Amsterdam at the I Film Museum in a huge, uh, s- s- they have a huge cinema. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> the live soundtrack thing was a little bit chaotic. I had you played the, live uh, the, the whole the, yeah the soundtrack, that. yeah. Okay. But then the, w- one of the things was panned weird, so now like ah typical
2: premiere stuff. Every, everything yeah. is a little bit. Provisoric. Yeah,
0: but uh, uh, of course people don't know that. Yeah. So know yeah, that okay, yeah, I see.
2: For I me, see. it's like, a, I see, like I a, see. So you have uh, you have plans of releasing this also on on various distri- distribution platforms like DVD or stream or?
0: Yeah, sure. But I, I'm first gonna exploit a little bit by touring, and by doing touring. a, a soundtrack see. live. You know? I see. I see. Uh, cool. In these days, yeah, if you make a film and uh, of this uh, amateuristic nature know, mm, mm, yeah. I don't think it's gonna be on a streaming platform. You mm, know, I will mm, just mm. throw it on YouTube or something. I see, interesting. Um, interesting. Uh, uh, but yeah, but DVDs are fun because then you can make a menu. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like have special features in it. Um, but yeah, there's there's some more uh, some more uh, gigs with that. I'm gonna do it. Uh, you tour touring with this, and yeah. then you
2: also play also the the sound yeah, yeah, I uh, see. No, very no, interesting.
0: There was a premiere in Russia, which was going to be ne- next next uh, next week, but of course I that, think
2: that won't that, happen. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Thanks to uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting, interesting. yeah, no, yeah, that was in Saint Petersburg. Uh, ah, probably, okay, 20, okay, okay, okay. Sadly, that uh, yeah, that that's yeah, sure sure, 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 sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's going to be some other. Uh, Interesting uh,
2: things. Happen. Yeah, you you have some some other uh, projects in the pipeline, or can you yeah. tell us about it? Maybe or they are secret. Or
0: <laughs> no, you mean music wise? Yeah, music uh,
2: wise or in general. In general, what are you up to? Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, well, mu- music wise, on my uh, Nightwind Records, which is my new label I yeah. started in two thousand fourteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will release a, a couple of things. I made this album with a Japanese uh, dub artist called Mystica Tribe. Okay. Um, okay. And he is, a, yeah, he's like a Far Eastern sound dub artist with a melodica, like very authentic uh, reggae dub, and uh, like the synthesizer okay. and stuff. So okay. It's coming out. It's gonna be called Tuscom Space Season. I see, okay yeah. and, um, <laughs> That was recorded in uh, yeah, In The Hague and, and Tokyo uh-huh. And okay. um, What else, there's some other stuff coming too A lot of stuff coming yeah. out uh, so... I'm doing an album for Clone ah, Which, okay. I don't know When that's coming out I'm Saying that.
2: For You're me. still working on it I
0: Yeah, sort of Yeah. yeah but uh, through, because of the animation I didn't have time to mix it down Ah,
2: cool cool stuff so a lot of stuff is happening in the Lego World. yeah, yeah. Uh, very nice cool thanks for this amazing talk and yeah, um, I okay. think let's go yeah. downstairs to a yeah. your, your gig yep, and then a party at Parle yeah. Hamburg and yeah. um, thank you very much this was Renewed this was Lego Welt and um, nice bye